skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMulder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when it's too emotional to be casual, Sleeping with your ex and the irrationality of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners, relationship advice people. We just have microphones and people yep. who want to listen to us. And that's yep. those are the only things that matter in this crazy world we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Sam and I are not professionals, nor are we relationship experts, so please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our ever-humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, welcome to this week's episode. Hello, oh my God, welcome. thank you. I love it when you welcome me to my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this week's check-in topic is inspired by some like real life musings that I had yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. yesterday Willow and I had sushi for dinner, ordered some takeout and I was like having sushi with like a glass of white wine. And I was, that always makes me think that combination particularly always makes me think of this person from my past, um, that 
was sort of like this unrequited friendship, love, will they, won't they, Ross and Rachel sort of bullshit that like went on in my early 20s. Um, They were a dear friend of mine. But also, like, I always wanted to date them and kiss them. (laughs) And all of our friend group thought that we were going to, like, end up married together. And that's kind of, like, the narrative that we, like, talked about our friendship with both him and I. Sure. And um, so he introduced me to sushi. And I think he was, like, one of the first people to, like, I I had white wine with. (laughs) Anyway, so I was thinking about him when I was eating sushi and, like, sort of, like, talking casually with Willow about the first time I had sushi and like what I thought about it. And it made me think about this person in my life who like at one point in time was important to me, but who I don't necessarily feel like saw the best me, you know, Mm. at the time in my life, I, you know, was very emotionally anxious and uh, needy and really wanted Um, affirmation and desire and was just like generally chaotic. (laughs) Sure. But, and, and, and so was he, right? Like we were in our early twenties, whatever, but I guess most importantly, I just feel like I, especially from this work on the podcast, I know myself and understand my past actions infinitely more now than I ever did when I was in the this like situationship or entanglements with him, um, and in the years after, when we when we had a friendship that had nothing to do with our um, with with that sort of romantic side of our relationship, um, and that there's this real grief in me that wants so badly to like be known as the healed and like more chill mm. version of myself For sure. um, by him. Like I have no interest in like having a relationship obviously with him, but, and I have no interest in like making him want me or I, I don't know. Like it's, it's not that like I miss this person. It's that there's this grief in me that he will never know um, this refined person person that I am and he'll sure. never know that I know exactly why I was so bad shit crazy back then <laughs> and you know like and I think I guess what I'm bringing to the podcast table today mm-hmm. um is just that idea the grief that people will never um really know the 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 real us currently I guess um and I thought that's something we could sort of dive into yeah no, I I think that that is a really um, a really common thing that I think a lot of people probably experience of like yeah I want you to see that I am healed now right I'm not that same person that hurt you or that same person that um, was so intense or like so unhealthy in how I did the things that I did with you um, and part of it is like. I think part of it is like absolution. Like you kind of like want to go and be like, see, yeah. look, I did the work. And so I know that I would never do this to you again if if we were in the same situation. Yes. Um, and I think part of it also is a little bit like, uh, like a little braggy, <laughs> right? Of like, yeah. see, look, I'm enlightened. You knew me then, but like you, yeah, look I'm what you're missing now. on now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's for me too. It's, it, it definitely triggers a part of me that, um, panics when I am 
out of control of the stories of myself, you know, sure. when I cannot control the narratives or um, sway the voters, <laughs> if you will, you mm-hmm. know, um, it's just, I'm bringing this to the podcast to talk about, not because I want to reach out to this person or have like this absolving conversation. I'm not going to, I've like promised myself that I don't, that I, that I don't need to do that for myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. that I can just be secure in the fact that I am, that that was a time of my life. Not all people are for us and he doesn't dictate whether or not I am, I don't know, healed (laughs) or moved on or, or smarter now, you know, his, his knowledge of that doesn't dictate it. And also I guess what I'm bringing to the table is just that 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 is uncomfortable no matter what. Like there's there's mm. discomfort in this. And we I think when we talk about like closure or or like moving on, there's like this implied sense that there is peace, you know, in the end. <laughs> there's an yep. the implied sense that like things will feel better when you've accepted it or or whatever. And and I guess I I just want to talk about how like it doesn't it still feels a little uncomfortable. It still feels um, a little sad and frustrating to know that, like, uh, I might not ever get to rectify that part of my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it like it begs the question of like who the healing is for, right? Because mm-hmm. if it was like for us and only us, then like we wouldn't feel this need to like show other people it. Um, and maybe that's like a good remembering is like yes, the like healing the isn't for mm-hmm. this man. The healing was for me, right? Or the, right. the changes in behavior and trusting yourself to know too that like no one knows us, right? Like yes. no wow. person outside of us is ever going to know us uh, as deeply as we think that they possibly can, right? And so right. like even Willow doesn't know the true extent of the healing that you've gone through, right? Like Right, exactly. Peter doesn't know. Our friends don't know. Um, and so then the question is like, so why this, why this man, right? Why is right. this man holding some sort of secret knowledge of me that, that I need to disprove in some way? Like, why is that important? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, but do, like, you want, <laughs> do you want me to answer it? Yeah, go ahead. I, honestly, and I was saying Therapy this to Willow. for Sierra. That's the check-in yeah, topic. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's because he he triggered my most core wounds in that he um, he was somewhat secure and somewhat avoidant. And mm-hmm. I was desperately anxiously attached, um, <laughs> especially at that time in my life. For sure. That was also before I like moved consciously um between partners like I just wanted to be loved so badly that like Mm -hmm. the fact that he like would say that he loved me but that he never that we were never in a relationship together like it just it it triggered like I just couldn't handle it (laughs) you know like I couldn't handle the the middle groundness and um and I and because of that I think there's always this part of me that's like wanting to prove my worthiness, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to be like, I totally get why you didn't want me then. 
I don't need you to want me now, but like, I'm cool now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, there's but definitely a wound now there. You don't get me wrong. definitely do want me for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm so new cool and chill. Myself, right? Yeah. Now that I'm married and I have a baby and I'm healed. <laughs> you can't have me, but like, <laughs> don't yeah, you want yeah, yeah, this? Yeah. yeah. yeah so mm, <laughs> I did age really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. I finally learned how to draw my eyebrows on. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, do you have a, do you have something like this that sits in the back of your head that like this desire to rewrite someone's understanding of you? Yeah, I think so. Um, It's like work related, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. That's real. Which I feel like is really indicative of our Enneagram types um, where you're like, I want to prove that I'm lovable. And I'm like, I want to prove that I'm competent. (laughs) Yes. Deeply accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, no, like I've had, uh, I have people I worked with or bosses that I've had where I would like want to, I want to be like, hey, but look at me now. Like yes. I was kind of a mess when I worked with or for you. But yeah. now look how good I can do things. Yeah. Are you um, talking about me? Because yeah. I used to be your boss. <laughs> yeah. That's what this whole friendship is. It's like a redemption story for your your competency. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, but I think, um, I mean, I think what you're saying is, isn't unfamiliar to me. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think like you just had like a very concrete example of it. And I don't think I've had one in a while. Um, probably because I like... <laughs> don't run into people anymore. Um, but, but I think that it's, um, I've definitely experienced it before where I'm like, um, I want to prove to you, but I think that mine is a little bit more vindictive (laughs) than yours is right. Like, it's like, it is like this feeling of like, yeah, yeah. Look who's the mess now, buddy. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) it was me, but now clearly it's you because I am really put together. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, Honestly, I'm sure there's vindictiveness like in in me somewhere, but just showing up in a different way. Like if we could if we could like say like a different use a word that had less like spiky connotations. <laughs> sure. It is truly saying like, look who you didn't love. Look yeah. how fucking lovable I am now. But like mm-hmm. maybe with a little less sass and more like patheticness. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like our Enneagrams, like I'm like, For sure. look how lovable I am. <gasps> Desperate. Um Anyway, like, uh, I think I've said this, but just to reiterate, like, this is not something that's like weighing on my heart every day. I don't think about this person. I was reminded of them because of some food I ate. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I know, I I agree. I think this must be relatable. And I'm going to spend the next couple days just thinking about how can I... How can you settle into that discomfort? Because it's not that it's going to be comfortable once you reach this like healing threshold. It's mm-hmm. about leaning into the discomfort of some people will never truly know us fully or they will yeah. have their version of their understanding of us or their version of the story of us forever. And we can never edit that story. We can never rewrite it. Like we can't right. we can't touch that, you know. And how do you, how do you sit with that discomfort? Um, I, and I think part of it is just the affirmation that my healing and my lovability is not confirmed by external sources, especially external sources who are not in the present day arena with me, who right. are walking around with an outdated definition of who I am. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not about correcting the definition, right? Like it's not, I don't feel an urge to reach out to this person because I know that that is me just manically trying to feel better about a discomfort that I just have to learn how to accept instead of learn how to change, if that makes sense. Yeah, because his perception of you doesn't define you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with past you and like the things that you did and also like his own world, right? Like yes, his own totally. understanding of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that has nothing to do with you in this moment. And it really never had anything to do with you, but um, especially now that he hasn't spoken to you in right. however many years or seen right, anything right, right, that right, you've right. been doing. Maybe he's like an avid fan of this podcast though. And is like secretly <gasps> obsessed with I you. Have, so I, here's another great <laughs> opportunity to remind everyone, including myself, that like people are not thinking about you the way that they, 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 you think they're thinking about you. Yep. Um, and I, 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 I would even like put money on the fact that like he has regrets about that time, Probably. Um, that he feels ashamed about certain things and that like, this is not just all on me and my perceived brokenness. Um, right. Anyway, so that's the check-in topic for today. Sierra's fucking therapy time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, God bless my fucking wife for me always processing my past relationships in front of her. <laughs> I, yeah. It takes a fucking secure son of a bitch to Absolutely. be married to me. Um, yeah, she's great. All also. Right. So Sierra, nope, Willow sent me a tiny little Oscar statuette in celebration of our 200th anniversary or 200th episode. Very cute. Very charming. There's a sticky note in it. Yes, exactly. There's a sticky note on it, though, that said, like, congrats on the uh, 200th episode. Um, And also, like, if you get bored or something, like, you can always look at how big of a butt this Oscar statue has. Um, Yes. And I, I pulled, I pulled it out and I like laughed and then I handed it to Peter and then he, he immediately looked at the statue and was like, Ooh, and I was like, I was like, Oh my God, you two are just the same person. (laughs) (laughs) The exact same sense of humor. (laughs) That's so cute. Uh, If you want to know what Sam's talking about, you can go to our YouTube and watch a video of this episode. I'm holding up the statue in the, uh, show the video camera, show the butt. Okay. It's, it's. It's a booty. It's, it's a, a booty. It's, a, it's it very booty. defined. It made me wonder if like the actual Oscars have butts like that. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this week's letters. All right. Our first letter comes to us from Intimacy Vampire, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from the Bermuda Love Triangle. Mm. Dear JBU, I have been a hopelessly devoted listener for the last couple years. Your show has been particularly helpful as I have been trying to maneuver through the emotional chaos that is my open slash long distance relationship. I have been with my partner, he, him for 4.5 years. And for the last two years, I've been living abroad on and off. While we are in different countries, we have had an open relationship to help assuage the loneliness and sexual frustration. The issue that I have consistently run into is that I'm an intimacy vampire, basically (laughs) incapable of having, quote, casual relationships with people that I've become involved with. That is very relatable Mm, to me. mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
This has led to a lot of heightened emotions followed by my, my followed by myself getting ghosted. I have recently become involved with someone, he, him, let's call him Jim, who I feel uniquely connected to. As soon as we started talking, it was clear that our brains operated on the same wavelength and conversations was were always easy and stimulating. In addition to that, we are really good at having sex together. <laughs> he, <laughs> I love that sentence. Me too. It's, I, I like the word it. phrasing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're really good at having sex together. I love it. I'm going to go tell that to my wife later. No, I love it um, because it's like, it's not that we're yeah. good at having sex. It's like, we're good at having sex together. It makes like, sense. Separately. Yeah. Maybe not, but together, it's just, yeah. it works out oh my really God, well. That can be a check and top it in itself. Like when you don't, when you don't feel like you had the best sex that you could have with someone and it like haunts you, <laughs> do you have that in your life? Cause I for sure I do. do. I a hundred percent do. <laughs> I'm like, I really fucked that up. And now that person yeah, has an idea you, of me. <laughs> I, that I can't correct <laughs> yes. without like acting on infidelity be like, hit up this person and be like, listen, my past self, I yeah, just was I've performative. I'm much I... more healed. And I'd love to show you exactly <laughs> how healed I can just get down with. <laughs> how great we could have sex. We're not going to do it, but I just want you to know that we could do it. Sam, we are toxic today. <laughs> this is toxic. <laughs> we are the villains. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. He has known, uh, Jim, has known about my situation from the get-go, but it was also very clear that he would rather be able to date, actually date me. We have tried to set up better boundaries to keep things more friends with benefits and have talked about being on a trajectory towards transitioning to friendship, especially as he continues to date others. However, a couple of your recent letters have asked for advice on how to deal with being in his type of situation, one where the letter writer has a love interest who is also interested in them, but the love interest is in a relationship. Mm. Your response has always been that that person should get out of that situation because it is not an emotionally healthy place for them to be. These letters have me racked with guilt. I worry that my relationship with Jim is not healthy for him, and it makes me feel like I should end things. However, I also believe that he's an adult man with agency, and if he's willing to continue our dynamic in this capacity, then it isn't my responsibility to end things on his behalf. As it is, he is actively choosing to be with someone who is actively choosing not to be with him. Thank you, Virgie <laughs> Tovar, for framing this framing device. Yeah, I love that too. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Should I let things unfold as they have been, telling myself that he is capable of making his own choices? Is it possible for us to transition to friendship or will this dynamic always feel too emotionally fraught? Any perspective you can offer would be most welcome. Thank you for all of your insights. Mm. I know. Good one. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Intimacy Vampire, for this letter and for listening for all of these years. Um, I think this is a great opportunity <laughs> to remind, you know, Sam and I and our wonderful listeners that the advice that we give on this show, like, everything in life isn't one size fits all. It mm. is always meant to be flexible and it's always meant to be applied with your own personal insight that we don't have, you know, right. that we don't have access to. Right. And most importantly, your own inner wisdom and intuition. You're right. This man does have agency and it sounds like you're being as transparent as possible. So like, 
I guess don't don't take our advice to other people. That is advice to that person as best as we can in that moment. Don't necessarily take that advice to think that you are a bad person or to like add to this like anxiety spiral. And at the same time, um, you know, in this situation, we can move. I, I would suggest moving forward with like as much forth unapologetic forthcoming and transparency, yep. even if it interrupts the intimacy and magic and intensity of your current situation. And and by that I mean I'm I'm, I'm talking to you specifically as an intimacy vampire, because like, that's a phrase that I relate to. Uh Um, I could imagine if I was in your shoes and I, you know, I love intimate relationships. I love intense conversations. I, I would prefer intimate relationships over non-intimate relationships. So I could imagine like, even though I've told this person that I'm in a relationship and that this is not like a long-term thing that could happen, I wouldn't want to bring it up again because I wouldn't want to like ruin the magic of the moment, you know, like I wouldn't want to make them uncomfortable or whatever. Like I could just see myself doing that. And if we are alike intimacy vampire, I'm going to ask you to like push through that desire and, and make things uncomfortable like repeatedly, (laughs) you know, you, you have to be unapologetically forthcoming again and again you're right. You're not responsible for upholding his boundaries and, and making choices for him. He's an adult man. Mm-hmm. And also you are responsible for continually painting the accurate portrait of what this is. Holy. Do you yeah. agree? Oh, absolutely. And I, uh, I also want to say like, I don't know who told you that your desire for empathy or intimacy was like vampiricism, right? Like, <laughs> I don't I think did. that. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> I, I don't was like, think this is me and it's bad. <laughs> I don't think that there's um, anything wrong with wanting to get to know people intimately or mm. to want your sexual relationships to also have like emotional intimacy in mm, them. That is so real. Um, and I don't think that your desire for it or that you're asking it of people is like makes you like sucking the life out of them, right? It, I think it just makes you a person who likes intimacy emotional, physical, all of those. And like, that's not a bad thing. (laughs) So I want to also like absolve you of like this idea that you have that you're somehow like too much or you're like asking for too much or taking too much um, in your relationships with people. How dare you? Right? How dare you make me love myself more? I know, right? How dare you make me have more compassion for myself? (laughs) I know, it's a bummer. Um, and I also think that Sierra is right too, that like you are in constraints in terms of your relationship, in terms of like how much you can get to, uh, or how deeply you can get into relationship with people who aren't your primary partner. Um, and I think Sierra is right that you need to be absolutely honest about that. And you need to trust that this man is an adult who can take care of himself, right? Like mm. if you're being honest with him and you are doing the things that seem to make both of you happy, or at least seem to be working for both of you, it's not your job to decide whether or not this is the relationship for him. That's, that's his job. Um, and I think it is a little bit like paternalistic to think that, you know, better than him, what mm-hmm. he wants out of this relationship. Um, yeah. 
that said, like Sierra said, if you're not being honest about the constraints of this relationship, that's a different story. And I want you to start being radically honest about that. Yep. But it sounds like he knows what he's getting into. And it yeah. sounds like he's making active choices to to be in this relationship with you. He knows yeah. whether or not it's working for him. And if he's doing it in ways that are not working for him, right? Like it's his job to to figure that out. You can for yeah. sure have conversations with him about this, right? Like you can be like, Hey, you know, this is the parameters. This is what we're working with. Are you okay with it? Like, how are you feeling about it? Right. And maybe you'll both come to the conclusion that this isn't working for you, but I don't know. Maybe he's like, I'm not dating anyone else who's working for me right now. And I really like this person. And so I want to be doing this thing for however, until yeah. I start, until I find someone who's going to be more available for me. I don't know. I'm not in his body. And guess what? Neither are you. So you don't know him or what he's going through. Um, you can be curious for sure and ask questions and try and work together to figure this out. But it's not your job to end this relationship for him when it sounds like, at least from the letter, like there were no like alarm bells going off when I read this. Yeah, I totally. was like, I don't know if you're being honest. And he's like, this is kind of working for me. I, I don't see what the what the issue is. Yeah. And building off of Sam's suggestion about being curious, I think having sort of regular check-ins where you are unapologetically transparent, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, again, you know, checking in again and again, um, but also asking him what he needs from you in order to feel empowered to eventually end this relationship. It sounds like you're having these conversations, but it's like, yeah. Um, you can say to him, I, you know, this is where this is going. This is the trajectory. I love being intimately close with you, both physically and emotionally. But again, this, this has this timeline. This is this sort of, um, expiration date. Uh, how would you like me to go about acting around you hmm. to reinforce that this is the way our relationship is. Yep. What do you need from me? Do you want me to end it? You know, like you would say that, do you want me to stop seeing you? Because this is the, this is the reality of the relationship. Um, and if you don't feel like you can pull the plug and you, and you need to, then I can, you know, that's, that's the scenario in which I could see you breaking up with him yep. is like, if he's like, uh, I, I, I would need you to end it even though, I think it's the best thing for me. Then you, then, then you can do that. Like for sure. to your point about him being an adult man, which I totally agree with and have repeated several times so far on this show, <laughs> adults need things from other people all the time. Right. Absolutely. Like I needed Sam to uh, take my phone and block my ex for me. Right. <laughs> and I am hypothetically an adult woman with agency as well. So like mm -hmm. maybe he does need you to like, I, I guess that's where like our, our advice can intersect is that like, he might need your assistance in employing the best and healthiest boundaries for him or healthiest choices for him. So like maybe you could be curious about what that could look like or like, you know, yep. how you can assist him. And also he's a grown man and he's choosing to be in this relationship that hypothetically is, you know, founded on respect and uh, transparency. So I think mm -hmm. you're, I think you're fine. I think you're fine. Absolutely. But these are conversations that you can have with him, right? Like you yeah. don't have to make this decision on your own on his behalf, right? You can yeah. be curious. You can dig in and say, and through that conversation, right? It may come to a point where you are like, 
actually like, I think that we want different things out of this relationship. So I'm going to find someone else who's going to be able to yeah. do this. Right. Um, and that's okay. But I, I don't want you to sit there beating yourself up for having emotions and then breaking up with this man because you think that your emotions are so toxic for him that he like can't handle it and just isn't telling you, right? Like that's, yeah. that is not what I want. I want you all yeah. to be in honest and open communication with each other to decide like, is this working for both of you? And I want you to receive and believe if he says yes. Receive and believe. Right? Like I want you to, I want you to hear that and trust that he again is capable of agency. He's capable of making his own decisions. And that doesn't mean he has to do everything alone, but he's also capable of asking for help if he needs it. Right. Like I think, I think it's important to remember that and, and see him as like a full authentic human who is complicated and coming to this relationship for many different reasons. Some of which may be helpful, some of which, which may not be, but that he, he is, able to think about this with the same amount of complexity and nuance as you are thinking about the situation. One more thing uh, before we move on to the next letter, I was just sitting here thinking like, well, what do these conversations look like? And so here are some questions. Maybe we can think, think of them rapid fire, Sam, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can ask like, um, so uh, if I, you know, if my boyfriend comes to visit, um, how would that make you feel? And would you be comfortable with that? You know, mm. um, are you comfortable with me going to uh, my boyfriend's family for the holidays and never meeting your family? You know, like Mm. fleshing out the, what this actually looks like in practice and sort of making a strategy for how to deal with these things together as a team. You know, you can, you can, you can approach this as a team to sort of figure out where those sharp edges are, I guess, and where that, that potential conflict is. Mm -hmm. Um, Other questions could be like, okay, so if we are friends and not having a physical relationship, do you think we can hang out one-on-one or do we have to be in groups? You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm, I, this is just to help you give you some scripts in terms of like how to move forward with this transparency and, and um, intention, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you can even say some of the concerns that you put in your letter here, right? Yeah. Where you can say, I really enjoy our our emotional intimacy. I really enjoy our physical intimacy. And I have this partner that I'm committed yeah. to. And my concern is that that you're in over your head. And my concern is that I'm in over my head. So yeah. what are we going to do in that knowledge, is this something that is sustainable for both of us? Right. And I don't think that that's an unreasonable conversation to have with him or an unreasonable thing to say to him. Yeah. Um, because your concerns are valid, right? They're not, they don't need to be just held by you. You can share some of this with him and help and come to, and come to an agreement with each other about what your relationship's going to look like or not look like depending on what comes out of these talks with each other. But this is intimacy, baby. So if you like intimacy, <laughs> you should love this. <laughs> Episode title with the thumbs up emoji. I love it. <laughs> All right, my dear intimacy vampire. Thank you so much for listening and for writing. We hope this helps. Thank you so much. We love you. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Cheap Whiskey, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from Guilty Town. They just gave me a key to the city. Hi, Sam and Tiara. <laughs> this is what this says. Like Sam, Sam and the fish. Tiara. <laughs> and then the Tiara. Uh, uh, or Tiara, I guess. Um, tiara. Like, like, like the 
Like the crown. Yes, no, <laughs> like, but I think some people pronounce it Tierra. Really? Mm-hmm. Learn new things every day. Absolutely. All right. Okay, besties, let's get into this shit show I've put myself into. I feel like I have literally no one to blame but myself and cheap whiskey. I, a 27-year-old woman, has just made the toxic move of hooking up with my ex. Let's call him X. Now, if he were just my ex, then I wouldn't have thought any more of the situation and had a good old hit it and quit it, hump it and get it out of my system, <laughs> so to speak. But <laughs> it's, I like hump it and get it out of my system. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a great, so catchy, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's ours now. Sorry, cheap whiskey. Uh, but it's more complicated than that. And this is where I feel like I'm in the wrong and have a mountain of guilt. Some context. My ex and I have a child together. We work great as co-parents and can be friendly. We were not good as partners, both wanting opposite in life. And by the end of our relationship had both said and done a lot of regrettable damage to each other. So this is not a block, block, block ex. I'm literally legally not allowed to. <laughs> a, it sucks. Perfect. Perfect example that our advice is not one size fits all. Exactly. Like obviously don't block your co-parenting ex. <laughs> yeah, that is not allowed. So a few nights ago, a longtime friend of his came into town. She and I have been close since we were first introduced. I was invited over to hang out and catch up at his place. People never go to an ex's house. There were lots of clap <laughs> emojis between those words. Um, anyway, I went over with only intentions of catching up with that friend. And that's what we did for hours. It was so oddly comforting to be back in a place with people you haven't seen in forever and just be yourself. X had been kind and respectful all night, gave us space to chat and would join in every now and then. So here's where the guilty pickle starts. After a few hours, we all decide to have a drink and enjoy the outdoor cooler evening weather. Ex and friend also indul indulged in some giggle cabbage, which let me tell you, it took me a long time to figure out what that meant. I fucking knew it would. <laughs> I was like, giggle cabbage? I was like, is that a typo? I was like, giggle cribbage? Like, were they playing a card game? And then I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Pure, pure soul. <laughs> So we are all just goofing and talking about old times. Well, one drink leads to three, which leads to all of us sharing cheap whiskey shots like bottom of the barrel whiskey. Felt like I blinked and it was 3 a.m. Friend has long since fallen asleep on the couch and X and I are talking. It's a good conversation. The ones that make you question why you broke up in the first place and indulge in the fantasy of getting back together. The conversation turns flirty and X says, I don't have to leave. I am more than welcome to stay, even if it's just to sleep. Thus, pickle number one, I wanted to stay. I wanted the sex. Pickle number two, X has a girlfriend, a girlfriend he's been with for over a year, a girlfriend who on a few occasions has displayed jealous tendencies whenever she's at drop-off or pickups. She doesn't like the co-parenting relationship we have and the amount of uh, the amount that we communicate. A girlfriend that by all accounts loves the shit out of his dumb ass. A girlfriend who was at work and unable to be there with us all. Pickle three, he is not in love with her. I know it's a cliche thing that everyone says, but I truly know this man. I know when he's in love and she ain't it. Pickle four, I can't stand cheaters and pickle being cheated four. on. <laughs> we're, we're in a lot of pickles. Pickle four, I can't stand cheaters and being 
cheated on, but in this moment, I'm not even thinking about squirrel friend. I said yes to staying. We had amazing sex, comfortable, non-judgmental, feel good, fun sex. The most comfortable I've been being naked with a person for years. He's seen a bowling ball sized baby come out of me for God's sake. And it was just so good, guys. Ended up cuddling and telling me how much he does miss me, miss us, and miss our family together. Uh, Mm. Punch right in the feels. Pickle number five, I can't even blame the drinks. By the time we were naked, I was sober. Now to put the lid on this jar. My question is, should I feel guilty? After the fact, I can't seem to forgive myself for putting another person unwittingly in potential pain. I feel like a horrible person. I broke the unspoken girl code. Even if I know ultimately X is not going to be staying with his squirrel friend long-term, I feel like a homewrecker. I feel guilty in that I don't want to lead X along. He wants us to be a family. He wants more kids and he would be happy or, and he would be happy to be together if I came back. We are going to be in each other's lives for a long time, and I don't want him holding out hope for me. I feel like an all around crap bag of a person. <laughs> crap bag of a person. I love that. I intentionally stay out of X's life besides co parenting for a reason, and one night of familiarity, fun, ease, and all the walls I work so hard to put up come crashing down with force. I know it takes two to do the spicy dance. I even offered a few chances to back out. He did as well, but nope. We are both consenting adults who make our own choices, but damn, am I bad at adulting. Final thoughts. Do I feel guilty? Fuck yes. Do I regret it? I don't, and I hate that. This whole letter is a mess. If you read it, I'm sorry. (laughs) I promise I'm not as bad of a person as I am in this situation with literally all the love I can offer and and wishing nothing but the best for you all. Cheap whiskey. Oh, thank you so much for writing and for listening. Cheap whiskey. Um, yeah, there were some like so many good one-liners in that letter. Like oh, we're gonna just <laughs> we're gonna make t-shirts that say "spicy dance" next. Uh-huh. You know, absolutely. Yes, human a crap bag of a person is my yeah, favorite yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So there's you know there's a lot going on in this letter there's it's a it's a mixed bag of lived experience and emotions do i think you're a bad person absolutely not do i want you to feel shame um and internalize that shame to become a narrative about yourself absolutely not um we all make uh selfish human choices (laughs) not even selfish like that's that's bold of me to put that out there um but like you know we all make human choices that often don't reflect the morals or the values or the, I don't know, vision for our future (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. that, that we want to uphold. Um, Do I think that you would feel um, worse if you maybe like inhabited the empathy for the other woman a little bit more, maybe, (laughs) or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I'm not here to shame you. You made a choice that you see has ramifications, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it keeps that closed door open with the ex. It potentially hurts this other woman. It can, you know, yeah. So, so you made a you made a messy choice. Period. Like, what do we do now? What do we do when we make messy choices? Because life is filled with messy choices. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You, I thought you were gonna. No, nope, you're gonna nope, answer nope, your nope, own nope. question. You're a co-host for a reason. <laughs> um, I set him up, and you spike him down. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's important to remember that, like, 
that you can feel guilty about this, right? You can feel like, oh, I, I shouldn't have done this or, oh, I regret this or, I mean, you say you don't regret it, but, uh, oh, do I um, wish it had happened in this way or whatever it is. Like those are all really normal things to feel. And I think guilt is a really painful emotion that we often want to like get out of our bodies, but guilt also teaches us something, right? It tells yeah. us like, mm, I did something that was not in alignment with my values. And that's, that is something to learn from, right? To, to do differently next time or to, uh, atone for the, the wrongs that I've caused people and myself. Um, right. But like Sierra said, I don't want this to turn into shame, right? Like you're not a terrible person. You, you, you're not, you're not a home wrecker, whatever that word means, right? Like you, you don't need to be, you don't need to take this and make it a part of your identity, right? This is a choice you made. It is not who you are. Um, yes. And I want you to feel guilty. <laughs> like, honestly, like, <laughs> I do because I want, I, throughout this letter, right? Like you, you tell us that all of these different things are in play and that this was the wrong decision to make because of all of these different reasons. And I, and I want you to feel the guilt of that. I want you to, to feel like, oof, yeah, I should do something different. I'm going to need to change my behavior. I'm going to need to take intentional steps to make sure that this thing that I did that I feel guilty about doesn't cause more harm to the people right. involved in it, right? Not because we want you to feel like a bad person, no, not I because we judge you for this choice, mm -mm. but because we you're telling us this, is, this choice is not in alignment with the life you want to live. Absolutely. And guilt is one of those emotions that can help us make good steps to getting back in alignment with where we want to be and how we want to reflect that. Cause I want you to have a, an honest to goodness conversation with your ex about not getting back together. Right. I want, like, I, I want you to, I want you to also like recognize and put up those boundaries again between you and this ex, because if you are not interested in getting back together with him and doing the things that he wants to do, he is not the person for you. Right. right? And I want the, I want this guilt. He's to not your spicy dance partner. He's not your spicy <laughs> dance partner, unfortunately, although it sounds like it was great sex because he saw a bowling yeah. ball come out of your hoo-ha. Um, hoo-ha, Sam. Yeah. A hoo-ha. Do you not really? like that? Do you not like that? I'm going to call your penis a wiggle worm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Basically is. It looks like a worm and it wiggles. So Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what worms you're looking at these days, but <laughs> continue. Um right. And like that all makes sense. Yeah, I love the <laughs> What? Uh, no, I just love the transition back. You did it so smoothly, but then you're you're like, looks like a worm and it wiggles. And here's some more great advice. Here's some great advice. <laughs> I want this guilt to propel you to getting back in alignment with what your values are and what you know to be true about yourself and your relationship. I don't want it to propel you into this like self-defeating hatred, right? Like that's yeah. not a, that's not a productive place to be. Yeah. And it's not productive in terms of like solving the problem that this, that this situation has created. Yes. Um, yes. So like, yeah, did you do something that maybe you shouldn't have? Yeah. Cool. Guess what? I do that all the time, right? Sierra does that all the time. We do this all, all of the time, right? We do things that aren't in alignment with our values all the time. The point is to not take that and say, and therefore I'm a bad person and stew in that and then use that as an excuse to not take ownership for the mistakes, but instead to say, oof, that one didn't feel quite right. I need to, I need to try something different. I'm not damaged by this. I'm not a horrible person. I just made a mistake as everyone does. Right. I want to um, like... Uh, steer this 
ship off course for a second. Because <laughs> um, I really like what you said about um, guilt is one of the emotions that we can use to propel us towards change or propel us to be in more alignment with our values or our visions for our life. Um, and I want to maybe just like uh, tangentially talk about other emotions that can be used in that way. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, if we feel anger at our past or anger at our other people or ourselves, like I always think about like the revenge that we fantasize about getting on exes, like I'm going to get so hot and I'm going to get, I'm going to be so healed, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like, um, and, or uh, like, what are some other emotions that we can use as tools or like training wheels towards growth, but also don't ultimately define us, you know, like don't these, these emotions like anger or regret, like they don't mean that we're a good person, you know, mm -hmm. or a bad person or a broken or a healed person, but we can use them as motivation. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they are, they are like, like primary emotions too, right? Like they're the ones that, that can like burn out, right? They're the ones that can propel us to things. And we may try and use other things to get away from those, those feelings because they're, ooh, they're uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but they can help us to, they can help fuel the change that needs to happen. Right. right? As opposed to emotions like, uh, he doesn't love this woman. And so therefore this doesn't matter. Or like these emotions of like, but the sex was so good. So like, it was so worth it. Right. Like those are all things that are possibly true, but they are like off ramps from mm -hmm. recognizing that we've, that you've done something that isn't in alignment with what you want your future to be. And yeah. that the the point is to get back onto the, the road and not find these off ramps into yeah. places where we can sort of bury the guilt, right? Like yeah. not even process through it, just like put it over here and be like, oh, I, I don't need to think about that because of all of these different reasons or explanations for what happened. Yeah. And I remember like 3 billion episodes ago, you said something that I loved about how it's okay to be, this is another or like mildly tangential, <laughs> but you said something about how um, in a breakup, it's okay to be, be angry and to use anger as a, as a vessel temporarily, or like as long as you need to, but like yeah. that you can use anger to justify putting up a harder boundary than your heart wants you to, yes. or you can use anger to hold on to your right to feel sad, you know, to your hurt and to not let somebody back in or, or whatever. And I think that's a great example of using an emotion in an effective way until it no longer has its purpose. So regret, use this regret to steer your ship, you know, use this regret to be like, you know what? Like that felt good. It was pleasurable. It felt easy. It felt comfortable. It's not in alignment with the life that I want. And I know it could potentially really hurt a couple of people, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to use this emotion to, to write my ship again, to have a hard conversation with, um, my co-parent. Um, I'm going to use this regret to double down on what it means to like, say, you know what? It would feel so good to have sex right now. It would feel so good to not have to like go home alone, mm -hmm. 
but I'm going to lean into that, lean into what I know would be more in alignment with what I want for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let that regret go because I'm not out here condoning or condemning cheating. I, I like, that is not my job. Um, and it would be like high and mighty of me to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. As, it would be like, real hypocritical. As, like a former cheater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> but, um, I don't want you to, it, it doesn't serve you and your growth. It doesn't serve your health to be like, I'm a fucking terrible person and to internalize this forever, but you can use it in the moment, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause when we internalize guilt and turn it to shame, then we can continue to do things that aren't in alignment with our values because we're just bad people. Right. Bingo. That's it. Yep. Right. Of course, I'm going to do this because I'm a bad person. Of course, I'm going to do this because I'm a cheater. Of course, I'm going to do this because I'm a homewrecker. Right. Like we make it part of our identity and therefore it's not changeable. Right. But you're not a homewrecker. You're a person who did something that was maybe not super helpful for them or for the (laughs) the person that they were doing it with. Right. I'm like really trying to not say the word mistake (laughs) because like that is like such a fraught term. Yeah. Right. It doesn't serve not, it because it's like it's done. You, right. It was a choice. You made a choice. Yeah. It's not. In, but it's not in and of you. Right. Like it's not inherent to you as because it's like part of your your identity. It's just something yeah. that you did. And you have the capacity to say, this is making me feel really bad. It's making me feel bad for these people who are involved with it. So I'm going to apologize for it. I'm going to be clear about what my boundaries are and I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to do it again. And I'm capable of that because I'm not a homewrecker. I'm just a person right. who did a thing. Right. Right. I'm sorry. Are you okay? Spencer, yeah. Spencer <laughs> cut this. Every time you say it, because I'm not a homewrecker, I, the, for some reason, my brain goes, I just wrecked a home. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a runner. I'm a person who runs. And you said it twice, and in my head, it's like, I'm not a home wrecker. I just wreck. I just wreck home. people's homes. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, that twist of phrase doesn't quite work for that one. <laughs> and I like also don't believe that about this letter writer. Anyway. No. <laughs> anyway, this is all to say we love you. We don't think you're a bad person. Um, we just think you're like in a little bit of a misalignment phase. So mm-hmm. lean into those uncomfortable feelings until they no longer serve you or mm-hmm. until they tell, start, start telling you lies about yourself um, and have some hard conversations with your co-parent about mm-hmm. how to stop this from happening in the future because you don't want to be with them. Right. Absolutely. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say, or maybe you do, just to throw off everything at the end. And Bitch, <laughs> the, the divorced child in me, the wounded divorced child, was like, "Well, maybe you want to be with him because it felt so good." Uh, but I would never. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Anyway, thank you for writing. We love you. We um, hope that this um, helps. I, I gotta say this as a divorced child, like my life is way fucking healthier with my parents not together. So, so True. don't, don't True. take the wounded little baby in me. Um, <laughs> don't take that girl's advice. <laughs> take the grown adult who's like, yeah, I love that my parents are adults because they're way healthier now. Yes. I mean, I love that my parents are divorced, not adults. They're, and both. They're fine. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> 
Sam, we got to write our ship because it's, it's <laughs> yeah, off no, course absolutely. right now. We are not in alignment right. with Listen, our values. Listen, we love you. We love you. <laughs> Cheap whiskey. Like, uh, okay. Thank you for writing. Thank we you so helps. much for writing. We love you. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right. The final letter of this episode comes to us from Jealous and Afraid, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from my room. Hi, Sierra and Sam. First of all, thank you so much for all the love you put into answering listeners' questions. I can't tell you how truly transformed I am because of your work. And even if you don't answer this letter, I feel so lucky to be able to write to you. You feel like friends to me. And even trying to imagine what you'd say to me in my circumstance has been helpful. Oh. Well, that's fucking sweet as shit. It is. I am writing because I can't get out of this rut. A little bit of background. I'm a 28-year-old queer person of color and a child of divorce. Oops. Ooh, ooh, sorry. <laughs> Me too. Uh, My dad had an affair with a colleague and left me and my mom when I was seven. Both of them were and are emotionally immature immigrants who were just trying their best. And I grew up with a lot of relational trauma, cementing a preoccupied, anxious attachment style and just general anxiety. Yay. I've done a lot of healing throughout the years, which has been helpful in growing and strengthening a healthy, true love with my girlfriend of almost four years. Let's call her Sarah. Sarah is very social, securely attached, emotionally intelligent, who tells me all the time that she loves me. We have a stable, nourishing relationship, and we're going to get engaged this year. We are ready to build a life together, and I've told Sarah about my healing journey and my triggers, and she's always had nothing but love and support for me, and I can't wait for our big gay wedding. And we've moved across the country to New York City together. I'm excited because I have some friends and family in New York and Connecticut, but also stressed and afraid because I've lived in California for the last 10 years. But moving with Sarah has made everything feel easier, more exciting and safe. But there's this thing. Sarah started her job in New York City earlier than me. So she went ahead of me a couple months ago. This is where my problem began. Sarah made a new friend at work in New York City. Let's call her Anna. Sarah started talking to me about Anna early on after she moved. And God is Sarah super into Anna. (laughs) Anna is kind, upbeat, social. And from the photos Sarah sends me of the two of them, beautiful. They've become really close. And because Anna works in different but related department at their job, they hang out all the time. Early on, while I was still in California, Sarah made sure to slip in that Anna has a girlfriend, probably because Sarah knew that I would be I would probably be curious, if not downright anxious, about it all. And boy, was I anxious (laughs) as hell, especially when I would hear about some of the deep emotional conversations they were having or when I found out that their and their families shared deep, authentic connection to their Irishness because they just so happened to both be second generation immigrants. And I have a lot of internalized racist thoughts about this because I'm Iranian and I tell myself that Sarah secretly would prefer to be with a white Irish girl. Not Mm. great. But I figured once I moved to New York City, I would feel better once I met 
uh, Anna, but I didn't. Anna is truly amazing, and I loved hanging out with her. She was so excited to meet me, and I could see why Sarah liked her so much, but I could not stop fixating on the possibility that Sarah secretly preferred Anna over me. Anytime Sarah would text, be texting Anna, I would do the sideways glance over her shoulder as if she would be texting something like, oh my God, I love you too. Let me get rid of this one here, old, this here old ball and chain first or something. And anytime Sarah would bring up Anna, I would feel this wave of anxiety and honestly, guys, dread, mm -hmm. dread that Anna would eventually be the end of the best relationship of my life. So I tried talking to Sarah about it. Because I was afraid of being too vulnerable, I couched it all in me being, quote, ungrounded and anxious from the move and said that my relationship trauma feels the most activated because of all the new people we're meeting without mentioning Anna specifically. Sarah, clearly feeling all the unsaid things, said, would it be helpful if I told you I don't have any romantic feelings for Anna? To which I responded, yeah, and Sarah went on to say that she thought about it when they first started hanging out more and had a moment of anxiety wondering if there was something there, but determined that she does not have romantic feelings for Anna. She said she feels very confident about this and also doesn't think Anna has romantic feelings for Sarah either. Mm. Sarah claims that Anna feels more like a sister to her and is just someone who became a fast and good friend, someone Sarah feels comfortable with, someone she's excited to have in her life. She said that she loves me the most and that she loves what we have and that this and that she's excited to get married to me. She asked if there was anything she could do to support me. And I said more reassurance, affection and love during this transitional time would be helpful. And Sarah was happy to provide that for me. Hmm. But Sam and Sierra, I can't shake the feeling. It's honestly exhausting. What is happening to me? I can't get myself to trust Sarah, who I thought I had grown to trust so much over the years. Sarah has given me no real reason to doubt her, as long as you don't count the presumably totally innocent excitement to hang out with Anna, uh, have me meet her, to text her and chat with her, etc. I'm even going so far to say to myself, well, it's weird that Sarah had a, quote, moment of anxiety about whether she had feelings for Anna. That should have been obvious from the start. Why did she even need to think about it and proclaim it to me like that totally unprompted and it's hard to reject thoughts like quote if given the chance sarah would totally choose anna over me in a heartbeat if mm -hmm. anna professed her love for to sarah then she would leave me tomorrow and guys i i'm really ashamed to say that i looked at sarah's phone at their text thread which was friendly maybe a little intimate but overall innocent despite that i felt really triggered by it because sarah's text to her sounded like text to me supportive and upbeat and maybe even a little loving but hopefully i'm projecting and then i saw that sarah told anna that her very irish mother told sarah that we love anna probably because sarah has been telling her parents about her so much so add, quote, her parents would prefer Anna over me to the long list, too, even though I know Sarah's, Sarah's parents love me. In all this anxiety, I'm afraid that I'll ruin my relationship with Sarah anyway, and I'll be alone in New York City. Mm. I need help. I'm spiraling, LOL. And I, I'll be able to afford therapy soon, but how can I help myself move past this right now? How can I trust Sarah, the love of my life? How can I help Sarah support me better? I really like Anna too and would love for her to be in our lives, but their intimate relationship makes me so anxious. How can I take their word for it and start actually being excited to have Anna in my life too? 
And the scariest question for me is, do you all think that maybe Sarah is actually being really shady and that I should think about breaking up with her? Any words of wisdom, comfort, encouragement, or tips are welcome. I know you all have talked about anxious attachment styles before, and I even listened to those episodes recently because of this. But if you could help a particularly distressed and anxious homegirl out, I would really appreciate it. All of my love, jealous and afraid. Oh, jealous and afraid. I know. (laughs) Thank you so much for writing to us about this. And we would love to help out a particularly distressed and anxious homegirl. (laughs) That would be be our dream. (laughs) I'd be honored. I would be honored. Um, (laughs) There's so much in this letter that I just want to dive into. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just start by saying there is nothing in this letter that makes me suspicious of your partner. And I absolutely do not think you should break up. (laughs) I saw your little anxious mind go to that extreme scary place because your your anxiety is telling you, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get hurt. How can I prevent this hurt from happening? Well, I can leave her first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I just want to say like that is an extreme response that your anxiety is voting for because your anxiety is unstable. <laughs> if I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to like personify anxiety, not that you're for unstable, sure. but like that yeah. the, your anxiety is over there saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like she's going to cheat on me. And if she's not cheating on me now, she will in the future. So like, how can I handle that? I can leave her so she can never cheat on me. You know, exactly. like a ma- maniacal little like anxiety troll. Right. Yeah, and we got to tell and, that anxiety troll to sit down. Yeah, and just to like give that a a, a thumb of approval, um, 100% agree that like there is nothing in this that is causing me any sort of alarm about yes, yes. whether or not uh, Sarah is e- cheating on you. <laughs> like even the intimacy of their friendship, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm-mm. Like I, I, it sounds like they're just they're really close friends. It sounds like Sarah's being really honest with you about the extent of their relationship. Um. It sounds like Anna really wants to get to know you, right? It's just like nothing yeah. about this. It feels like yeah. you're missing something yeah. that could indicate that 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 you are being cheated on. And if that were happening, guess what? It wouldn't be your fault. Like it wouldn't, the fact that you, yeah. that yeah. you stayed in relationship with her and um, like there's, I think sometimes like our anxiety, especially if it's something that's like deeply, trauma like comes from a deep trauma place right which i think is like this is connected to the fact that your parents broke up in like a dramatic cheating situation right um is that we sort of tell ourselves like if i this has happened to me once and i couldn't predict it right so now i'm going to do all the things that i can do and it'll never happen to me again because i can, i'll be able to see the signs right. and keep it from happening so then right. if it happens again that means that i did something wrong because i wasn't reading all of the signs right um and what i want to say to you is that like there are absolutely no signs that anything is amiss and also if if she is then it's not that you didn't pick up on the signs right like that didn't cause the cheating that didn't cause the right. the traumatizing moment it's that like she cheated, but she's not, right. she's not cheating. Like to she's be clear. <laughs> right. And it's not your job to find the signs yeah. of it in order to prevent that bad thing from happening. Right. Like it's yes. just your job to be in relationship with this person. Yeah. In my notes, it says, let's figure out where this is coming from. Dot, dot, dot. We know exactly where it's coming from, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I want to also say like, 
let's let's look at your phrase um, super into. You said you're she's super into Anna, right? Mm. Um, I think something that I needed to hear and say to myself as an anxiously attached person dating a secure person is that my um, spouse, significant other, partner, whoever, whoever she is, <laughs> that floozy, um, she is as emotionally rich and um, vast as I am. She has the capacity to care about things, not only as much as I do and in such diverse ways, she can care about things in ways that I don't, you know, like I, she has intimate friendships with people that like, I don't have intimate friendships in the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I have my handful of very close friends and that's it. And, and my significant other can distribute and care about people can distribute her love and care about people in a different way that I can. Right. And that diversity, that, um, What's the word that we always use to say, like abundance? Yeah, that abundance. That's the word I was going to use. <laughs> yes, is not a threat to her love for me. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know your anxious heart is tired. Like, oh my God, when you said it is exhausting, I felt for you so much because I know it is a physical and emotional labor that you for are sure. performing every day to like keep it together, to like not be. To not let this mess that you're that you're keeping inside of you spill out onto your day to day life, right? Um, I know you're. I know this is tiring to like keep it together. Something that helped me is just to say like this is. Let's redefine this. This super into she can be super into this person. She can feel seen, intimately and vulnerably by this person. She can feel. Um, she can even feel attraction to this person. She mm-hmm. can feel camaraderie. She can feel sister sisterhood. She can feel her humanity affirmed by this other person and still be affirmed by you the most or yep. more or the same amount, but still want to be with you, right? Like, I think that's something that I, this like scarcity anxiety in me had to be told is that like, I, for some reason, maybe it was like my parents' divorce or maybe it was uh, the examples of love I saw in the media growing up, but I thought you could only love one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And if that love was spread out at all, it was diminished. It was diminishing me. Like I still, I still want to be my partner's favorite person. Right. And I still feel threatened by anything that could, that looks like that love, you know? For sure. But I had to I had to learn and still tell myself repeatedly that my significant other is complex and emotionally rich and and her love for other people actually is not a threat to her love for me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we've been taught it was by by many things in our childhood and by popular culture, et cetera. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Her love is abundant. Right. Yeah. It is not it's not scarce and you don't need all of it to be deeply loved by her. Yeah. Um, you're not a bad person for having these feelings of anxiety or jealousy. Right. Like a yeah. recurring theme in this episode. Right. Like you're not a bad person for feeling this way. And these parts of you that are anxious and jealous are not unlovable. Right. They are not yes. things that you need to 
be ashamed of, right? Like you don't need to add that that sort of layer of shame onto what are already really challenging emotions for you. Right. Um, and I think that like, it's at least from what you've told me about the conversations that you've had with Sarah, it seems to me like Sarah is wanting to be supportive of you knowing that this is something that's affecting you. So my encouragement for you is to bring a little bit of this out of the out of the shadows and to bring it more fully into the fullness of the light of your relationship, right? Does that mean accusing her of cheating all the time? Absolutely not. That is not what I mean. What I mean is being able to name when some of this stuff is coming up for you so that you can, you can, you know, assuage your own stuff, but also that you give her the opportunity to help you, right? And affirm you and and offer you the support that like loving, like loving relationships can offer, right? So what does it look like for you to say something like, hey, I know that there's nothing going wrong or there's nothing going on that's like bad or not good. And I'm still having some feelings of discomfort about how close you are with Anna. Can you please just tell me that you still love me even as you love Anna at the same time or even as yes. you want to be close friends with Anna at the same time? And she'll probably say, yes, I know that if Peter did that for me, I would be like, yes. oh my God, absolutely. Yes. I do really love this friend that I have and I love you and I want to be with you. And you are my, you are my partner, right? Like I'm, I'm here and I, and I feel that you're going through that. And I'm so sorry that that's how you're feeling about this. But, but for me, there's enough love in me for both of us. Right. Yes. Like, and so I think. I think that bringing some of this into the conversation might be helpful. I know that it sounds like that's really challenging for you in a lot of different ways. It sounds like there's like some indirectness and in maybe how you communicate about this stuff, but I, I want you and Sarah to figure out how you can talk about some of this so that it doesn't feel like you're like this, like monster hiding in the dark with all of these big bad right. feelings that no one right. can know about. And that are somehow indicative that you're a horrible person. Right. I want you to be able to say like these emotions are hundred percent understandable. Think about what you've been through, right? You watched your parents' marriage break up in infidelity, right? You have been told by the society that we live in that you are worth less because of the fact that you are Iranian, right? Like right. you have been, you're in a world that has told you that you're worth less because of the fact that you're queer, right? Like all of this different stuff is like playing a role here. So of course, some of these feelings of insecurity, inadequacy are coming up for you. Doesn't mean that you're bad. Doesn't mean that they're they're like broken. It just means that they're coming up for you. So what are the ways that you can help have these types of conversations with the person who you love and who seems to love and want to support you dearly so that we can start rewriting some of the things, the, the stories that we're telling ourselves about whether or not you're worth being in a relationship with. Because- I know yeah. that you are, and it seems like Sarah knows that you are. So how can we help you know that in a more deep, yeah. in a deeper way? Yeah. And I think too, you know, you write in your letter so, so perfectly, you say, I thought I trusted her. Like, mm -hmm. I thought I worked to trust her. And I want to like propose the perspective shift that you do trust her. This isn't about trust. This is about anxiety. Yeah. This is about intrusive, um, repetitive, cyclical thoughts that you're having a hard time harnessing. Mm -hmm. And I, that's just so relatable to me that it's it's your significant other has not given you reason to 
to mistrust them. You are having a hard time managing how to manifest your trust, right? Like mm. our trust come are like it's it's becoming harder for you to choose the trust. It is not that mm. you don't trust her. It is not that she is untrustworthy. Yep. It is that all of these hurdles, these additional stressors are coming on. So it's harder for you to access that trust. It's not yes. that the trust isn't there, right? And I think about that in context of like looking at her phone, right? You saw the texts. They were friendly. You're from what you described, your girlfriend was exactly who your girlfriend is. <laughs> Loving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. bubbly, excited, right? That is the core of what you love about your partner, what you want to marry them for, right? And they were who you know them to be in their text messages. Yep. Again, that is not a th in the scarcity mindset. That is a threat to the bubbly, positive, loving person she is to you. But she is that person all the time. And you don't mm -hmm. want her to just be that person to you. Like mm -hmm. you love her infinitely for that, right? And your anxiety is going to tell you that you just didn't find the right text, right? You didn't <laughs> yeah, find the right sure. conversation. And that if you <clears throat> keep looking, that, if you keep looking, I mean, we could look at our, our significant other's text for the rest of our lives. Like, I, I mean, that is a, that is something that I had to break because my last relationship was so fraught and unstable that like, I constantly needed this. I, I always needed to check, right? Like I always needed to know. I needed to know because I was afraid of these conversations that were happening behind the curtain. And then when mm -hmm. I got with my now wife, like I had to learn that what she told me was it, was safe, was mm. was was a safe place to be. And what I saw in her text messages, like the ones that I that I saw either from her showing me or or those like sideways glances, right? Were it i could i could feed the beast and keep looking but it's you're you're then then you're you're looking for something specific instead of looking for the stability right you're looking for the for the infidelity you're looking for the heartbreak instead of looking at what is actually there the mm -hmm. security the trustworthiness you know for sure and it, you know sam and i have said this in the past and he kind of like hinted at this at the beginning of the letter but like we cannot date without the risk of being hurt. We cannot live without the risk of being crushed by the universe. Yep. Other people are inevitably going to hurt us. The world is going to hurt us and we're going to hurt other people. This is a part of life. And I don't say that to be nihilistic, to like feed that anxiety beast in you. Instead, it is just a gentle reminder that no matter how trustworthy your partner is, there is still a risk of being hurt because vulnerability and connection requires us to put it out there as a risk requires yep. us yep. to say, here's my heart, please don't break it. And knowing <laughs> that like the, the world just breaks our heart no matter what. Right. Yep. And so I think another phrase that you can say to yourself is like, I am choosing to trust my partner because I want to be with them. I'm choosing to risk hurt for the sake of our connection, right? Not mm. that she's going to hurt me, but that it, it is, there's not one without the other in the world, right? Like mm -hmm. get this, like you are going to marry this person and hypothetically you want to be with them for as long as like your life will allow. You're going to deal with a lot of fucking hurt that comes maybe not from the hands of your partner, but also from the hands of your partner. Like they're going <laughs> to disappoint you one day. For sure. Maybe they're going to become ill and you have to, 
take care of them. Maybe, you know, a family member is going to die and you have to deal with grief and funerals. Um, maybe you're going to get a dog and one of you loves them and the other one fucking hates them, right? Like, I guess the partnership that you want with this person also includes this potential for her, includes disappointment. And so it's not about getting this clean slate sort of proof of no hurt. It's about recognizing what is there right now, which is like a willingness to be in it together, right? A trustworthiness that is constantly chosen. Yep. I know I'm kind of rambling, but something was in there. <laughs> something, I said something good. A, like There were a lot of good things in there. Um, <laughs> that was actually, that was very beautiful and profound. So thank you. Um, <laughs> and rambling. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things you can do when when these feelings of jealousy come up, right, is not to like immediately run away from them, but to actually ask yourself, okay, this what the story that I'm telling myself is that she's cheating on me. Right. What is the evidence for that? Right. What is the evidence against it? Right. And I'm going to guess, I'm, I can tell you based on the, the letter that there's like a whole ton of evidence against it. And like, yeah, like yeah, Sierra yeah, and I yeah. said, like, not even a not you even know. a yellow flag around some of this, <laughs> like about what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and there are other questions that you can ask. Like one of the things that my therapist and I are working on a lot is, is this possible or is this likely? And am I conflating the two things? Right. Mm. So oh my is God, it oh my possible God, oh my God, that oh she's God. cheating on you? Absolutely. Everything is possible. Is it wow. likely? No, absolutely not. Look at all the evidence. It's very unlikely that this is happening. And I do this all the time. This helps me a lot when I'm, when I am catastrophizing. Yeah. I was, <laughs> like I wanted to I know hear... an example of this, if you feel comfortable sharing. Like when I, I was, I just had this happen to me. I was driving home and I was listening to the news and there was a story about the congressperson in Indiana who was in a horrific car accident and she and like four of her staff died. And I was mm. like, oh my God, how terrifying. Oh my God. I'm going to get in a car crash. Like. We're, we're all just flying around in these stupid little metal boxes. Like, why it are we doing terrifying. this? Like, yep, right. Yep, the, yep, and yep. It, like suddenly I was like flooded with all of this anxiety. And I was like, okay, is it possible that I could get in a car accident and die? Yes. Is it likely? No. How many times mm -hmm. have I been in a car and gotten mm -hmm. to my destination safely? How many times have I been in a car accident and lived through it? Right. And it was like, yeah, of course, of course it's possible that I could get in a horrific car accident and four of my closest friends and I could all die. Is it likely? Absolutely not. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time worrying about it and instead focus on the things, all of the different iterations of the fact that I've driven my car, I don't even, I, like hundreds, hundreds of thousands of times maybe. Yeah. And each of those times I have arrived at my destination safely. Biking, yeah. on the other hand, not a safe thing for me, uh, obviously. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've talked about this on the primary show. <laughs> Haven't I? No, Sam broke his elbow. <laughs> I was riding my bike and I hit a I hit a patch of road that was not paved. And then I just flew over the handlebars and I broke my elbow and it was very traumatic. I had to go in an ambulance and get opioids and um it was really it was really a weird time in my life. Um so that's the joke that I made. Sorry, I had to explain it. Uh, I'm also about to get on an airplane today. So I'm going to be telling myself the likely versus possible thing quite a bit because I'm a very anxious flyer. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, you probably did already talk about it on the primary show. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't I don't remember, but sorry if we've already explained all of that. Um yeah, anyway, I fucking love that. Gonna be taking that into my tool belt. For sure. Um possible versus likely. Um yep. and I know your anxiety, the the little anxiety beast is like, no, it's very, very likely, you know, but look at all this evidence. Um, but Sam and I are telling that little you know, anxiety goblin to sit down that this, that this evidence isn't really there. They're mm-hmm. just, they're just clinging to it. Right. Like, Oh my God, look, she had your, your, your partner finds other people attractive. Your other, your partner finds other people charismatic and interesting. Yep. That does not mean that doesn't lessen her love for you. And I know that's hard. I know it's really hard, but um, you're doing the right work. You're asking the right questions just because you're in this situation where you're feeling so exhausted and so anxious the fact that you're writing to us, it's actually a good thing, right? That you're facing this, that you're saying like, all of this is coming up for me and I'm not going to let it bottle up and, and ruin our relationship. Instead, I'm going to address it. I recognize you recognize that it's a problem. Yep. There are people out there who are wildly jealous and act on that jealousy and don't think that that jealousy is a problem, right? Yep. Yeah. And as you're thinking about that evidence, you can also ask yourself, is this from a dependable source? Right. Yes. When it comes to the evidence for, which will probably be like, I've got a feeling or this happened to my parents or whatever. Is that a dependable source? No, that's that's your anxiety that's telling right. you that. Meanwhile, the stuff right. that is in the pro column or the sorry, the evidence against is like, yeah, Sarah herself. Right. The text message thread that you looked at, uh, the fact that uh, you have this beautiful, loving relationship. Right. Like those things are from dependable sources because those yeah. are those are things that are not just tied to this story that you're telling yourself about, about the fact that this is happening. So that can be helpful too, if you're like listing things and it's like, well, they're equal, but like one of them is like, (laughs) I don't know. She said, hi, weird to me yesterday. Right. Like, yeah, (laughs) that is a direct dig to me because I'm the one that's always like, um, can you like make more eye contact to me when you walk in the house? And Willow's like, uh, like just got home from the gym. And I was like, do you hate me? Are you leaving me? And anyway. she's like, yes, that's what my, my lack of eye contact means, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my darling, uh, we love you. We believe in your relationship. And most importantly, we believe in your ability to to face this anxiety head on and make some more sustainable choices for the future. Absolutely. We love you. Thank Thanks you so for much writing. for writing. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we like to shout out something that we love to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with... A book uh, called Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion, which is by Gia Tolentino. Um, And uh, this book came out in 2019, so it's like three years old. Um, But I just got around to reading it. I absolutely loved it. It's full of nine essays that are sort of focused on culture slash feminism slash there's also like a bit of like biography or or, um, memoir in it as well. Um, Gia Tolentino is an amazing, amazing writer. Um, Mm. And she I know her from when she was at the hairpin, which was like at the height of like Mm-hmm. blogs about like lots of with like long essays about like pop culture and all of this stuff that I miss those days. She also was a managing editor at Jezebel for a while as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just has a very, um, she has a very insightful way of looking at things that are happening in culture and sort of turning them on their head and, and, and offering a different perspective on them um, in a way that feels not just like 
like intentionally countercultural, but in a way that is like really helpful and interesting and thoughtful. Um, and reading this book made me remember why I love sort of like cultural criticism. Um, yeah. And, and like made me long for the days that I had a job where I didn't do much work and could just sit reading blogs all day. Um, <laughs> Uh, so check it out. It's really great. It's super smart, super funny, um, super well-written. Again, it is Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion by Gia Tolentino. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our first in-person live show since 2020 uh, happening in St. Paul, Minnesota on Friday, September 30th, 7 p.m. It's happening in Amsterdam. You can get tickets at JustBreakUpPod.com. Uh, remember to follow and subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. If you subscribe at the $10 a month level, you also get access to a like Q&A Zoom session with me and Sierra every month, uh, which has been super fun to so be doing. Fun. So mm-hmm. uh, consider supporting us on both of those things. If you can't or you don't want to, that is also okay. You are welcome to continue to listen. We love having you here. But this literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify and his latest podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, vulnerability and connection actually require us to risk being hurt. Mm. It's the same thing with change. Growth requires discomfort, right? These things go hand in hand. Our goal is not to live a life that is totally comfortable. Our goal is to risk the pain, risk the growth to become who we truly want to be, to have connections with people we truly want to have connections with. Lean into that vulnerability, folks. And if all else fails, just break up.